Hello and welcome to the History of Fun, where we explore the hidden backstories behind the things you love to do. My name is Russ Frustick, and today I'm joined by Allegra Frank. Hello, Allegra. Hi. And Chris Plant. Hello, Chris. Hello. And a very special guest. Uh, we are uh, welcoming Patrick Gill to the stage. Hi, hello. Um, I feel Pat- like you need more of an intro for this particular episode. It's like, dun, 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 and like fireworks are going off, and you're like coming in. It's like rowdy, rowdy. Can I get a, can I get a big uh, dong sound? A big dong. No, 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 sorry. You want me to add <laughs> that in post? Yeah. Dong, yeah, dong okay. sound. There you go. I just added it. I just <laughs> added it. Chris Plant's voice saying dong is what I added. Great. Um, Patrick is here because he is going to be discussing a topic that, personally, I know very little about. Mm. I only know it mostly from the memes. Yes. Um, and it's wrestling related. So, so why don't we uh, sort of uh, let's talk a little bit about what you uh, set it up. <laughs> set it up. Wow. wow. I mean, can can you read the tagline of this podcast for me again, real quick? Uh, the history of fun, where we explore the hidden backstories behind the things you love to do. Okay, so this is a, a hidden backstory, and um, it's unless you love being thrown uh, twenty feet through the air onto a hard wooden table. Uh, this is probably not a thing you, you love to do. Uh, this is this is um we were looking for a, a story we could tell about professional wrestling and, and how weird it is and how sometimes fun when also being terrifying. Uh, and so we're going to talk about um. Mankind going off the cage at Hell in the Cell, yes, uh, or at King of the Ring in the Hell of the Cell match in 1998. And and I should preface this episode <laughs> by saying uh, things are it might get a little bit like uh, it gets a little violent. It's w- it's, it's so it's um it's interesting because it's, I just want to warn violence. But yeah, it, it, it th- th- things are going to get painful. Things are going to get painful. So if you're a little bit queasy, that is, that is a warning. We're uh, maybe not going to be the most graphic we could possibly be, yeah. but we will It'll be uh, ouchy ouchy. Yeah. yeah, there will be some ouchies so coming up. So ouchies. so fair warning. Yeah. So I mean, professional wrestling is ostensibly fun. It's it's fun <laughs> for the viewers. It's fun to watch. But uh, a lot of times, it is not fun for the people who do mm. it. Like everybody in this room is smart to the rest. Wrestling biz, right? We all know that it's it's sort of a staged competition yes. between mm. between two. Oh no! Mm. <laughs> oh, I've, ruined, I've ruined the magic of wrestling with Christopher Plant. <laughs> um, so, uh, but this is sort of a case where the environment in professional wrestling, mainstream professional wrestling, was sort of pushing the limits of what I think a lot of us could really consider fun and entertainment. Um, and uh, yeah, so professional wrestling on paper is it's, it's a sport where two competitors try to hold each other's shoulders down for a count of three. And I'm going to rem- remind you of that several times throughout the description of what happened <laughs> in this match. Um, yeah, so I actually have a, a, a quote from Mick Foley, who's Mankind, who is the subject of the story to start this out with. Uh, and this is from Beyond the Mat, which is a fantastic documentary. Uh, he says, several times a year, I'll look at something and I'll say, this is going to be dangerous, and it could turn out real bad. But it has to be done for the sake of history. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah. He's dedicated. Wow. He, I mean, he is a really dedicated person. Are we going to talk about his persona? We like, will. Okay, yeah, cool. Yeah, I just want to make definitely. sure. Definitely. Cool. So uh, this event starts, it's June 28th, 1998. WWE is hosting the uh, King of the Ring pay-per-view in Pittsburgh, uh, and Mick Foley is going to have probably the worst night of his life uh, for your entertainment. Mm. Um, for history. For history. It's for history. history. It, for the sake of history. 
Um, his opponent is the Undertaker, and he's wrestling as Mankind. Mm-hmm. Wait, okay, so this is the King of the Ring, you said? This is the King of the Ring tournament, and it is a Hell, of, hell in the Cell match. What is the King of the Ring? <laughs> King of the Ring tournament is a yearly tournament in which all of the wrestlers have a tournament, and whoever wins is the King of the Ring, and they get to sit in a throne and wear a crown. <laughs> oh, okay. This is not involved. This is a separate feud against the Undertaker. This is like a side match. Yes. Yes. Oh, it, you, okay. In a Hell in a Cell match. In a Hell in a Cell. Hell in a Cell is like a cage match, except the cage completely encircles the ring, and it has a roof on it. So it's about 16 to 20 feet tall. You know, the area outside the ring is still available to the wrestlers, mm-hmm. but uh, they are enclosed in this area. What does the cage actually do? to keep them in it's locked uh, yeah but like can't they can't like slide out from the bottom no 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 the cage goes all the way down okay the yeah. okay interesting wow yeah fully encloses them but interestingly a lot of the stuff that this match is known for does not happen in the cage yes um so at this point um let's do, do you guys want to learn a little bit about mick foley himself please yes. Yeah. Okay. of course okay uh so mick right now in 1998 is wrestling under the name of mankind uh, his character is this sort of unhinged, sort of sometimes he'll like wax poetic and he mutters to himself. He wears a leather face mask to hide his face and tufts of his beard and hair are all sticking out of it. He's wearing a tattered brown tunic. Uh, so he's sort I, of Did this... he wear a tunic? I thought he wore like a business shirt. The, the, uh, sorry. Let, let's back up. I'm sorry. Yes. At, at this point in the timeline, that is correct. Okay. He's wearing that now. Stuff he's he's kind of like Michael Douglas in, in uh, Falling Down. He's yes. like it, feel, it feels like he worked like an office job and then like one day was like you I, know what enough already. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Mick Foley starts wrestling in the 1980s for just various local small promotions. Eventually he lands at WCW where he wrestles as Cactus Jack, uh, which is interestingly a character named after a character he played in sort of a proto like mail-in game. You know, there, there were these games where you would like mail out uh, like. It's okay. It was a cowboy-themed game that him and his dad would play together. It was, I was like, sort of proto D and D. Interesting. Uh, but in the mail? Yeah. Or it, it, maybe the game was just mail order. Oh, as opposed okay. to mail yeah, order. Yeah, now I yeah, follow. Sure. <laughs> um, so he wrestles as Cactus, Cactus Jack. And when you envision a wrestler, like, what do you normally envision? Big guy. Yeah. Burly. Mm-hmm. Strong. Yeah. So, Tunic. So Mick is, he's never been a body guy. He's Mm. never been that 1980s vision of a wrestler. He's just sort of a large, doughy, uh, vaguely tough looking guy, but also really soft and gentle looking. I've just been imagining Dave Foley. (laughs) But but like, but like he got stung by a bee and his entire body reacted. And he'd never shaved ever. Yeah. Um, So uh, eventually he lands uh, at ECW, which was Eastern Championship Wrestling Mm -hmm. and then Extreme Championship Wrestling, where he sort of developed the reputation of this guy who would pretty much do anything to himself or anybody else in the name of entertainment. Um, And his first sort of uh, big incident is when he lost his ear. (gasps) (laughs) What? Oh, no. Uh, Okay, at this point, I will once again remind you that professional wrestling is fun, and it is a sport where you try to hold down your opponent's shoulders on a mat for a count of three. (laughs) Um, So he's wrestling Big Van Vader, um, who you might have seen in his guest roles on, um, uh, not Step by Step, Boy Meets World, as the bully's dad. Sure. (laughs) Um, (laughs) uh, And during the match, Mick goes over the ropes. He gets his head tangled in the ropes. Uh, shreds up his ears when he gets back into the <gasps> ring. Vader accidentally or not accidentally grabs one of those ears and no. rips it off. No. no! 
Whoa. No. Okay, I'm glad I put the warning at the top of the show. That was awful. Oh. It was probably an accident. Yeah. Chris Plant just threw up in his water. <laughs> he just is like, oh, sorry about that. Yeah. I, I mean, like, you know, that stuff happens. Like, Big Van Vader himself got his eye knocked out of its socket. No, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> so professional wrestling is Please fun. Just take the wheel. <laughs> Uh, so in 1996, Mick Foley de- finally lands in the WWF. They put a mask on him. They call him Mankind because they don't want people to recognize him as Cactus Jack. Sure, sure, right sure. Right off the bat. He's this sort of tortured, twisted, unstable character. And his first feud is with The Undertaker. Um, and he teams up with uh, <laughs> Undertaker's former manager, Paul Bearer, mm. uh, <laughs> portrayed by Percy Pringle. Uh <laughs> Which is his real name. That's amazing. Oh yeah. Um, Once you pop. Fun, fun don't stop. <laughs> so the two of them, Undertaker, Mankind. Everyone remembers Undertaker, right? Sure. Yeah. Okay. They have a, a feud for a while. It ends uh, with a buried alive match in which Mankind is chokeslammed into an open grave. <laughs> and then they, wait, wait, after that, he simply puts his shoulders down for the count of three in it, right? Yeah. That's, right? Well, it, that's the way it should have ended, but uh-huh. unfortunately it ended with uh, Undertaker being betrayed once again, and he ended up being buried oh. alive. Wait, 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 wait. Where's this grave? So the grave is a... They, they In the WWF arena where this was happening, uh, <laughs> they made a AstroTurf burial mound... <laughs> Uh, towards the entrance ramp, and they struggled. You know, they fought. They had their match, and then when the match reached its climax, they worked their way up to this big burial mound, which had a grave dug in it. Um, and yeah, so uh, their feud would take a little break there. Um, and in this time, the characters would change a bit. Like the Undertaker, initially was he he was a dead man. He pretty much played a zombie. Yeah. Like he would shamble around the ring like Frankenstein and nothing could hurt him and there was a magical urn that Paul Bearer would use to revive him whenever he was in trouble. <laughs> this is when he goes full butt rock. Yeah, this is this is this is okay. We we don't have time to cover the full spectrum of Undertaker's <laughs> okay. uh relationship with butt rock. This is before he became biker taker and started coming out to the song Rollin' by Limp Biscuit. Yeah, sure. But after he was just Frankenstein. Okay, okay. got it. Okay. He was something in between right now. <laughs> he was Fred Durst. Yeah. <laughs> so in the time off the characters change a bit and uh notably Mankind is now just one of several characters openly played by Mick Foley. And so here's a postmodern sidebar. Okay. Where once again I will remind you that professional wrestling is a sport uh, that you win by holding your opponents down on a mat for three seconds. After his feud with Undertaker, Mankind starts introducing some of his friends, which are also played by Mick Foley. <laughs> there's Dude Love, who's this like inept hippie. Uh, there's uh, Cactus Jack comes back. Um, there's... Oh, because WWF owns w- WCW at this yes. point. Yes. And the WWF is now WWE? Actually, no. This is not. That oh. hasn't happened yet. Wow. He just, he, I guess he got the rights to be Cactus Jack again. <laughs> so nice. Uh, so he is Mankind. He is Cactus Jack. He is Dude Love. And these characters are known collectively as the Faces of Foley. <laughs> <laughs> and in the 1998 Royal Rumble, the event where you know everybody gets a chance to enter this big free-for-all fight, he enters three times. Amazing. <laughs> Once as each of his characters. Oh, my God. <laughs> so this is, I guess, is just a reminder of how bizarrely metatextual wrestling can become. But also, um, 
it will factor into our story a little fun. bit too. and fun and history because we, this is the history let's of fun. really underline fun yes, while we can absolutely <laughs> okay do you want to go back to pittsburgh yes, yes. okay pittsburgh uh, so far how does this line up with most of your episodes uh, I mean, and basically, note for note. Okay, there have been, I mean, we did an episode on trampolines that was very violent as well. So okay. <laughs> yeah, a lot of kids got broke. I think I think McFoley would have loved a trampoline in either of these situations. <laughs> All right, so uh, we're back in Pittsburgh. Uh, mankind has reignited his feud with the Undertaker, um, and it's led to a Hell in the Cell match, which I explained earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, when the match starts, uh, Mick makes his entrance. I'm going to use Mick and Mankind. That's interchangeably fine. Here. Yes. Um, he goes into the cage for just a second to give the audience the impression that they're about to see a fight happen in this cage. Mm. I'm really sorry. We had to pause for one second. Yes. Does Mick Foley talk to a sock at this point? Uh, I, what is wrestling? <laughs> <laughs> I don't believe Mr. Socko has been introduced at this point. Okay, okay. okay. I'm sorry for that diversion. Uh, okay. As, as you were saying... Pittsburgh, Hell in the Cell. Pittsburgh, Hell in the Cell. Which Chris Plant has an encyclopedic knowledge of wrestling, clearly, that yes. he's trying to show off. No, I'm not. I, I You're want, very good. It is no, no, Patrick's my, episode. No, no. Like, my, my no I, is, I neglected to mention Mr. Sacco. Yeah, and also, that was not me like wanting to get it in. I literally don't know. I know enough to know that he talks to a sock. Okay. I don't know enough to know if the sock is going to be part of this okay. match. <laughs> they gave this sock the match off uh, because <laughs> I don't know if the sock would have survived. Uh... Immediately before the match begins, before his opponent's even, even out there, Mick Foley climbs to the top of this cage, which mm. I've mentioned is 16 to 20 feet tall. Yes. Um, and he goes up there, and he just waits for the Undertaker. Undertaker comes out, meets him on the top of the cage, and they start fighting on the top of this cage. Um, Do you want to talk about like what the cage is made of? Sure, yeah. The cage is uh, it's sort of a steel skeleton mm-hmm. um, a cube, and the—oops, sorry. And the spaces between those gaps are just chain link, and it's attached to the the skeleton with you know zip ties. Sure. Some of them are metal zip ties. Some of them appear to be plastic. And as they're sort of stumbling around on the top of this structure, that that chain link is just bulging down beneath them, and you see the zip ties start to pop off, uh, which is, I guess, a sort of gross foreshadowing <laughs> of stuff that's going to occur. Um, but just after a few minutes of sort of brawling on the top of this cage, Undertaker just very unceremoniously, you see him, he just sort of puts his hands on Mick because he doesn't want to screw up what Mick is about to do um, and sort of gently shoves him off the top of this cage. Uh, and he falls 16, 20 feet through the air onto the Spanish announce table, uh, which is down at ringside. Which just shatters. Sure. So, and and a reminder. So he's falling not only the height of the cage, but also the height of the the um, the mat as well. Correct. So yeah. the mat is probably what four feet off the ground, yes, yeah. plus the entire height of the cage. Yeah. And and I, was there a reason it was the Spanish announcers table that they? Mm. So this is. I mean, <laughs> there are probably reasons. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Spanish announce table is sort of an in-joke in professional wrestling at this point because okay. whenever something has to happen to a table, they're less likely to disrupt the, oh, know, the, sort sure. of the English announce table, which I guess ostensibly has a long, larger audience, but also WWE is probably just racist. Right. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so he uh, he's under this table. The table flips over. It's on top of him. Um and he's just laying there, and at this and point, this was all part of the plan so far. This is this is all planned. Okay, 
Um, th- yeah, this stuff was planned by Mick Foley and his, you know, his producer and friend Terry Funk. Yeah. Uh, ahead of the match. Did they practice? Like, did he know he could do this? No, th- th- he hadn't done this before. Okay. Um, this, in terms of like terrifying stunt falls, uh, this one is, it's it's scary. But you can see it looks a bit like a stuntman fall, sort of. Right. He rotates in the air and he lands on the table, you know, with, you know, the large part of his right. back. Right, you want the most amount of surface area. Right. It's it's a pretty clean fall, as mm. ugly as it is. Sure. Um, and Mick actually talks about that. He says, there are two falls during the match. Uh, fans unanimously praised the first one when I was thrown from the cage, but it's wrestlers who appreciate the second one. So let's talk about the second one. Okay. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and once again, I'll remind you that professional wrestling is fun. Yes. <laughs> and what's the point of it? Uh, to hold your opponents down on the mat for three seconds okay. to, yes. uh, to gain okay. a pinfall yeah. victory. Got yes. Got it. Um, he, he's down for about ten minutes. Uh, <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> he, they do what's called a stretcher job uh, where they make it look like the match is going to end. The medical team comes out, mm. which is a mix of actual medical professionals and performers. Uh, they put him on a stretcher and they start carrying him out of the uh, arena. Uh Part of the way up the ramp, he breaks free from the stretcher mm. and uh, frees himself and shambles down the aisle, climbs the cage again. Was he knocked out the first time? Like, what was his state the first time he fell? He was in bad shape the first time. Okay. Um, I think he got his bell rung a little sure. bit, but he I don't believe he was unconscious. Okay. Um, but probably was concussed. Mm, yeah, uh, I would probably. guess. I would guess these and, are. And it, this is probably also worth mentioning right here. Yes, wrestling rules. <laughs> <laughs> so this, it's worth mentioning that, that wrestling rules. Uh, it's also worth mentioning that at this point in history, our understanding and I guess the willingness to confront the reality of concussions was much different. Oh, than it yeah, is now. very. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so uh, he he climbs up the cage. The fight starts again, and this is the part where ostensibly things go wrong. Okay, because everything up until this point has been planned. Yes. Okay. Um, he's struggling with the Undertaker once again on the top of the cage for just a moment, um, and Undertaker picks him up for a choke slam, which is one of his uh, you know it's one of his signature maneuvers. He picks you up by the neck and drops you on your back. Sure. Um, and Throws you to the ground. Yes. On your back. Yes. Drop. Sounds gentle. Sounds very gentle. Um, <laughs> but that effectively, when done right, he's he's dropping. You're not throwing someone, it, literally. It, it's intended to be done safely. Enough. Right. Yeah. yeah. They're throwing themselves. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Sure. Uh, at this point, the cage gives away, and Mick Foley falls through the cage a shorter distance, but a much more painful landing. Because he's not prepared for it. He's not prepared for it. He, You know, he didn't do that, you know— clean stuntman fall. There is no table to break under him to absorb any of the blow. He just lands on the mat, and um, the steel chair that he brought up to the cage at the beginning of the mat uh, lands on his face. (laughs) So once again, professional wrestling is fun. Do you regret having me on? (laughs) I think it's an interesting story. I mean, we'll talk about, like, the metatextual aspects of it, I guess, towards the end, but, like, it's an... It's, like... I've watched the fight a few times. Mm-hmm. It's outright. It's the closest thing that I've watched that is like, oh, this is like gladiatorial level violence. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's outrageous. Um, yeah. So at this point, Mick is knocked unconscious. Um, he's unconscious for a few moments until he he manages to come back around. Uh, he's and this is where it's going to get really graphic for just a minute. Okay. He has dislocated his jaw. 
uh, he's concussed. He knocked a tooth loose, several teeth, and one of those teeth has somehow found its way into his nostril. Ooh, and not the easy way. Not the easy way. Um, and he has a hole in his bottom lip. Oh. Uh, so he's bleeding profusely from his mouth. Um, he's uh, He looks like a pile of hamburger <laughs> at this point. Um, and then he gets up and he wrestles for another 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, he gets chokeslammed onto a pile of thumbtacks. Uh, and then he takes a tombstone pile driver onto those thumbtacks. Uh, and then the match mercifully ends. Sure. And then he runs back out in the main event to interfere. <laughs> and that's really why I wanted to bring you on is because it's it's not only all these things happened and things went wrong. Mm-hmm. It's this like level of dedication to mm-hmm. the craft of wrestling that is outrageous. Mm-hmm. Like the amount of dedication that he had to making this moment much to the detriment of his own physical person. I'm not saying what he did was right, yeah. but it is an astounding level of commitment. Yeah, and it, it's, I, I think the the preconceived notion a lot of people have about the sort of person who would do that is that they're a desperate, you know, um, maybe not that smart person who's just sort of using their body for a paycheck. And Mick Foley uh, is really not that mm-hmm. at all. He's a very smart, well-spoken, gentle person. Um, there's this wonderful quote here from him. This is also from Beyond the Mat, which is a, a terrific documentary that, you know, uh, where uh, Barry Blaustein was spending a lot of time with him mm. during this time period, uh, where he says, once I'm done with wrestling, I'm certainly not going to miss the pain. I'll miss the reaction to the pain. I don't have a lot of room in my life for pain. It just so happens I can absorb more than most people, and that makes me marketable. <laughs> hmm? Hmm? I'm so sad. Um, and uh, yeah, do we, do we have any uh, like thoughts from like Undertaker? Like once yeah. he did the, um, because like at this point, like the worst possible scenario has played out. Yes, what is his perspective? Well, I, He's it, standing on the cage. It could have been worse. Uh, I guess so, Undertaker yeah. has That's said true. that uh, Undertaker doesn't give out of character interviews really ever. Uh, but I think he gave one or two in the late '90s where he did address this, hmm. and he said that. Um, he thought that Mick might have been dead when he dropped him through the cage. Um, and he just was trying his best to stay in character sure. uh, and s- stand up on top of the cage. Uh, the moment that went wrong there where he goes through the cage, um, the story of what was supposed to happen has sort of evolved over time as a lot of things in professional wrestling do. But I think the most recent version of it that Mick tells is that he was supposed to take that choke slam on the top of the cage and then position himself in such a way that Undertaker would stomp on him mm. and that would make the cage fall through. But, you know, he'd sort of be monkey bar style hanging. Oh, sure. And then he'd rotate yeah. and land flat. So the cage was supposed to break. The cage was supposed to break. It was supposedly not supposed to break at that moment with yeah. that chair still on there. Right, sure. Uh, on top of, you know, just in general how dangerous that was. Um, so, yeah, Undertaker... Um, I think felt pretty bad about it. Sure. Obviously, but I think there's this sort of understanding when you go out there cuz they had both talked about the mm. things that they're going to do out there. Um it's, you know, it's not an actual competition. It's a sort of cooperation, but I think you'd still feel pretty bad to be implicated yeah. in killing mankind. <laughs> I mean, good good for his branding, yeah, but not in real right. life. <laughs> yeah. Um yeah, and um 
uh, you know, Vince McMahon himself, mm. you know, uh, the head of the WWE afterwards, um, you know, told told Mick like that was incredible. I don't have the exact quote in front of me. Something like that was amazing. Never do that again. Right. Because um, he did he know he was going to do that? Yeah. So Vince knew. I, I don't think anybody knew just how traumatic it sure. would turn out. Um, but it's like you said, at, at this point in history, backyard wrestling is like ramping up and becoming a thing, right? Yeah, I mean, ECW had sort of established, it had been establishing itself as a place where these really violent matches happen and people take big risks. Backyard wrestling is a thing. Um, and WWF wanted to be part of that draw. Yeah, they which flew is why a little too people. close to the sun. They definitely flew a little close to the sun. And Mick would have, um, I'd say, he'd have a couple more scary things in his wrestling career. I think the scariest one from modern hmm. standards um, didn't involve a cage or heights or anything like that, but he was handcuffed and he took upwards of 10 unprotected chair shots to the head from the <gasps> rock. What? Yeah. Um, why? Like that was part of the script? Like that was what yeah. they were scheduled to do? Yeah. That doesn't seem very face of the rock. Well, this was a bad guy rock. Oh, this was, this sure. was them turning the rock into a very bad guy. Yeah, no kidding. Um, yeah, and his kids were in the front row. <gasps> Jesus. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but so he sort of, after, th- there's a really wonderful moment in the documentary Beyond the Mat where he talks about how badly that scared his family and yeah. his kids and stuff like that. Uh, and. Mr. Socko mm. is a character that you mentioned earlier who <laughs> yes, is a you. talking sock who lives in Mick Foley's tights who yeah. occasionally come out. Um, and gets in people's mouths. He goes in people's mouths, which is nasty. Right. And <laughs> As voiced by Hank Azaria. <laughs> yes. Wait, what? No, no. no. That, that part's made up. And Mick had said prior to some of these really dangerous stunts that he doesn't want to be known as the guy who pulls the sock out of his tights. Sure. Uh, and there's this wonderful moment in the documentary when he's reclining with his children um, on a hammock and he says, like, maybe... Maybe it's okay to be the guy who pulls a sock out of your tights. Um, so he cooled off a bit after that. He didn't retire until 2011, though. Wow. Uh, and he entered the WWE Hall of Fame in 2013. Yeah. And he's a semi-professional Santa Claus. And he's uh, donated 550 hours of his own time volunteering for the Rape and Incest Network. Support That's awesome. Network. Wow. Um, yeah. Like, he's a, he's a nice dude, but... I think he lives with pain every day. Oh, yeah. So he could do what he thought was entertaining yeah. people. Yeah. It's so, like, talk a little bit about, like, where wrestling is at now yeah. and, like, how, like, something like that can, like, how locked down. I just watched the Andre, Andre the Giant documentary, which is yeah. on HBO. Very, very good. Highly recommended. But, like, it was amazing to me, like, they basically let Andre and Hulk, like, hash it, figure out exactly what they were going to do, mm-hmm. and they didn't know for sure how it was going to all play out until they were in the ring. Yeah. Like, is so, that still the case? Yeah. Or So, I mean, I think uh, in WWF these days, WWE these days, yeah. I, I think there's obviously more oversight. It's a publicly traded company. Sure. It's, it's a bit bigger, and I think they just like having creatively a more clear idea of what's going to happen in a match, but in terms of the actual moment-to-moment of what's going on in a match, the way that's structured is mm. that the two performers will get together with an agent, is what they're called, which is essentially a producer for that match, who will help them decide how the story is going to be told, the big beats that they need to hit, and then it's up to the three of them to sort of uh, hash together how that's going to happen in the ring, mm. Um, obviously it's a thing where two people are running around and throwing their bodies at each other and mistakes can happen. So, you know, it's not straight choreography either. It's a lot of improv. Sure. Um, and you will, 
if you listen closely, you'll still hear certain wrestlers calling the moves that they're about right, to do yeah. to the to the opponent, sort of a one, two, step, turn, change. <laughs> <laughs> but like the the punching version of yeah, that. Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, Andre did the same thing in in that match where Hulk slams Andre the Giant. Yeah, he calls slam right yeah. before it happens, and that was the cue for Andre to, uh, for Hulk to pick him up and yeah. slam on the ground. So yeah. like that, it's fascinating to me that like such a major moment that is one of the most recognizable moments in wrestling was like no, they weren't for sure that knowing that that's how it was going to play out yeah and it's it's it, you know it's so much about reading the crowd and stuff mm-hmm. and like if you watch um and knowing you know knowing that yes uh i the massive andre the giant am going to be slammed by hulk hogan but listening to the crowd and knowing exactly the right moment for that to happen right like you can't say ahead of time like we go out there they're going to be at their hottest right here and that's when you're going to slam me <laughs> 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 Precisely, <laughs> um, but yeah, and yeah, that 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 still happens. Um, and if you watch the the match here with Mankind and um, Undertaker, v- there's very little wrestling. Mm. There's a lot of waiting. There's a lot of waiting for the right moment for Mick to get back up. Um, a lot of waiting for, you know, there's this moment of anticipation where he goes into the cage and he stays in the cage for just long enough to make people think, okay, we're going to see a cage match. Then he leaves the cage and he just looks upward. Um, it's, it, yeah, it's, it's a lot of improvisation and I guess like on the fly storytelling from people who are also getting hit in the head a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and they still do terrible things where people get thrown from high heights. I saw the, I was at the WrestleMania in Dallas. Mm where uh, Vince McMahon's son got thrown off of a cage match. Well, he, he jumped well, he, off because he's a dumbass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah, I guess it was. I forgot it yeah. was jump and then missing. Yes. Um, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, it's horrifying to watch. Like, even, like, everybody looked like little ants in that venue. Yeah. But, like, watching a body do that does not look... Right in yeah. any which way or form. Yeah, um, and, and that's so. Not to get too conspiracy theory, but I've seen the table that they use. That they use a different table for that one. I think that was spe- specifically designed to mitigate as much of that impact as possible. Like if you go back and watch, oh, of course, I'm, I would yeah, hope. I would absolutely hope so. But it's still right. a horrible risk because if you miss it, you land on solid concrete. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, Wrestling is fun. <laughs> Genuinely, wrestle, like I, I feel bad that like this is the story that we're doing on this. We can show. do a more fun one in the future. Okay. Don't worry, <laughs> because wrestling like can genuinely be a yeah. wonderful, fun, harmless thing. But, power like, of this good. Is power of good in but, some ways. Yeah, I guess this is just a, a, a dark lesson of like sometimes trying to make people have fun and enjoy things. Uh, can have a horrible cost. Yeah, I do want to also <laughs> mention the reason that I was initially exposed to it is because of a very weird meme that still kind of exists where people will tell very long stories and the punchline of the story is, but that's nothing compared to the time when Undertaker (laughs) threw Mankind (laughs) off in a Hell in the Cell match in 1998. (laughs) So that's where I learned about it and then went and and looked more into it. But uh, yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. Uh, Watch it if you don't have a sensitive stomach uh, and know that thankfully they all... Well, I wouldn't say made it out okay, but alive at the very least. Yeah. Um, Mick Foley's happy now. He's yes. Good. Undertaker's still wrestling. Undertaker cannot retire. How old is Undertaker? 53. Right? He's 53? Wow. Okay, that's, yeah. but he's been doing it forever. Yeah. 
Like, is he? He's got to be the the elder statesman of the wrestling, like active oh, wrestling sure. community. Yeah. Yeah, he's not really. Like, he wrestles once a year. Oh, I think sure. That's all his yeah. elderly, brittle. Body he had some sort take. of like crazy streak of like twenty seven wins in a row or something. Yeah, uh, 30, 30 wins at WrestleMania. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good for him. Congrats to him, right? Mazel tov. <laughs> Mazel tov. <laughs> uh, I, uh, you. Uh, we'll end on like a, a lighter note, which yeah. is to say, like personal stories that people sent in. Do you have any uh, favorites of of ones that people sent in? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and these will mostly be a lot of fun if you have the chance to go look them up. Okay. Uh, WWE Dubois, uh, Sirius <laughs> Sanchez on Twitter um, says, points out. Uh, sorry, Sirius Sanchez on Twitter mentions the time uh, Heartbreak Kid Shawn Michaels had a match with Undertaker. Sorry, with Hulk Hogan. Mm. Um, and Hulk Hogan insisted on winning this match. Um, so uh, HBK hilariously oversells everything uh, Hulk Hogan does to him. So uh, he's sort of like, he'll just get bopped on the chin and he'll go reeling across the ring, tumble over the ropes and stuff like that. So he's sort of like, yeah, I'm going to lose, but I'm going to make you look like an idiot as I'm doing it. Um, Let's see. At Billy Kumo on Twitter uh, just tweeted a picture uh, and said this image, and I'll describe the image. It's of uh, the wrestler X Pac uh, standing up on the second rope, uh, holding his arms aloft, but he's also wearing a baby Bjorn with a dog <laughs> in it. <laughs> oh, oh, that dog time. is really cute. Um, Do we know the backstory of that story? No, 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 no I don't want to know it. That's tremendous. Um, uh, Seth, who is ASAP Sunscreen on Twitter, says when The Miz, who's a professional wrestler, interviewed Grumpy Cat, Aww. which is also a thing that happened. The Miz was on The Real World, I believe. The Miz, right. yeah, he got to start on Real World and Road World yeah. Rules, and he's a very good wrestler. Great essay about him by John <laughs> Jeremiah Sullivan, if anybody's interested. <laughs> <laughs> Check it out. That out there. <laughs> uh, Griffin DMR, Griffin underscore DMR on Twitter, says when Terry Funk got kicked by a horse and kept wrestling. <laughs> uh... And uh, also another one that a lot of folks recommended is any Scott Steiner promos you mm. can look up mm. um, because they are an absolute treat. Uh, he's a massively bloated, muscular, uh, just toad of a man <laughs> who puts on the most incomprehensible but somehow poetic uh, promos that involve math and science. <laughs> That's awesome. Yes. <laughs> Cool. Well, thank you, Patrick, for joining us. Uh, really appreciate it. Dark. It was dark. <laughs> it was dark. But you know what? I uh, It's my fault. I picked the topic. So, <laughs> uh, And we will bring you back for, for more lighter-hearted okay. wrestling moments, I promise. Um, is there anything you wanted to specifically plug? You do an excellent show called Gil and Gil- Gilbert on the Polygon uh, YouTube channel. Yeah, Gil and Gilbert happens every Wednesday at 6 p.m., tune in for that it's a good time yeah absolutely thank well, you for having me on thank you uh, and thank you to everyone listening at home uh, this has been the history of fun I promise where we explore the hidden backstories behind the things <laughs> you love to do we'll be back next week uh, until then be sure to uh, rate and review the show if you haven't on Apple Podcasts subscribe and do all that fun stuff goodbye goodbye